Welcome back to episode four of the Four Men Podcast. That's a little bit of a mouthful, but uh, so excited that you're going to tune in with us today as we talk about faith without works is dead, which is a very uh, heavy subject to talk about. Well, today we had John Luke with us for a little bit. We are recording this post episode. He had to go take a phone call, so he is no longer with us. So John Luke joins us here for about 15 minutes. So stay tuned for that. And then we got Parker Reeves and Luke, who seems to be uh, our core group so far. Jacob seemed to have... Uh, had been busy with other plans again. So he is not here. And our other friend, Brian had work again, which Jacob said he had work, but we don't really believe him. Okay. So we got Parker <laughs> Reeves and Luke in the house and uh, just give another quick intro for who y'all are. Uh, if someone is tuning in for the first time. Yeah. I'm Parker Amos. Been really good friends with Christian since college. Uh, my wife, Freddie works with Sadie and I work at Buck Commander. So all right here in the same office. There we go. I am Reeves. I'm good friends with all these guys. And, uh, I have a lawn business. Um, a lot of times cutting some grass and write music for LO and lead worship at church. So happy to be here. Yeah, I'm Luke Albritton. Uh, we're just brothers with this. I'm going to say this is my brother-in-law since Reeve always says that part. Um, and so I have a drone business or whatever. And uh, yeah, so grateful to be here. Thank you so much. We're just a bunch of dudes just trying to figure it out. So stay tuned as we uh, try to in our uh, finite minds unpack what James 2 is talking about when he says that faith without good deeds is dead. James 2 verses 14 through 26. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show up by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good is that for you? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have any good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble. How foolish. Can you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be ripe with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith without good works is dead. I completely forgot that he starts this, this one off by talking about if you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day, but you don't give that person what they're asking for, what good does that to do? Mm -hmm. I completely forgot that that's where we were going to go. Yeah. That tells me. That's being, all we talked about last week. Yeah, you know, being friendly ain't always good. Right. Right. Because that's the easy way out. I feel like that's what he's saying here is a part of it. It's like how easy do – it's like the uh, – Every, you see everybody in church, everybody's good, and you're good, I'm good, and you keep going, conversation, right? But 90-something percent of the people in church aren't good, or I hope, because that's why we should be there, right? And so it's like, 
how often do we, when we see somebody that's cold, take off our jacket and give it to them, mm. right? That mentality of like, hey, what can I do for you? Like, can I give you money? And that mo- well, money's not going to keep them warm, right? And they're probably not going to, they can't hardly get to the store anyway. So it's that, yeah. you know, seeing a need and meeting the need in that moment type deal and staying, you know. So, yeah, I think that's, that's a to heavy hit out the gate is it's the whole here, do, are we here? And yeah, we, we know what to do, but actually do we act on it? I think something is like presupposed here that I've just never noticed. But suppose a brother or sister is without clothes. So, what does your say that brother or sister? Mm-hmm. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing. Yeah, no food or clothing. So, the brother or sister aspect of it, like in this context, was people that they knew or like a part of their like community, mm-hmm. and especially like brother or sister was definitely a reference of like people in the church. But I think for us, it's it's presupposed that they knew this person and that they were someone in their community, which is very different from just like someone on the street who's like, I need food or clothing, and then giving them mm-hmm. the money. Like, I think it, it actually says that we, it presupposes that we are in someone's life that we're already putting in the effort to get to know them as a brother or a sister and then like helping them and going from there. And so like, like I think that you could read this as you see a homeless person, they need clothes or food or they say they need clothes or food and then you give it to them or not give it to them. But I think you could also read it as like what we're supposed to be doing is getting to know them first. Mm-hmm. evaluating those claims, seeing what the need is. And like that is part of the action and part of the faith. Yeah, well, I, I love how he says like, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well. <clears throat> I think like today, our biggest thing that we do is like say, I'll pray for you. Mm-hmm. And then 90% of the time, we never actually pray for that person. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that's something now that at least I see and I... You know, I think we all fall victim to it at times, but it's like, we'll have somebody who's explaining or who's, you know, confessing these things and what they need and and all these things. And it's such an easy, maybe cop out or just thing to say. It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to pray for you. Instead of like praying that exact moment for them, like you'll say, I'm going to, I'll pray for you. And you never actually pray for them. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's similar to that text of like, you you say goodbye and have a good day, you know, stay warm and eat well when you're not actually supplying them what they need. I think that's what we do today. It's like, I think that's the 2024, 2024 version of that is like hearing some, hearing somebody who would need something and you just say, well, I'll pray for you. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's probably, I mean, and if you do go, it's great, but it's like versus giving them what they actually need. I think some, I think we've made that just so, so common, so normal, just to flippantly say that and not actually mean it. Yeah. Because I think being there for people like that really is like, it's hard work, right? Like, actually, say someone needs just accountability or they need a meal. They need somebody to talk to them about their problems, right? There's so many needs we could meet in that scenario, but that's time and that's work and that's energy that you actually have to be willing to give up when it's a lot easier just to go, hey, I pray for you. God bless you. Yeah. You know, I hear that all the time, uh, too. And so I think... Again, this, everything we've talked about last several weeks is where is our heart at truly towards helping other people? Are we willing to give up what our preferences we might need, our time, our energy, 
to actually meet a need. Because yes, they need prayer, but you could argue they they really need a physical need to help to be met. Mm-hmm. That's actually how we can show them Jesus more than anything. Yeah. Well, because there's, I feel like there's not that there's some texts that's like contradictory, but you have Acts. I think it's Acts. I can't remember if it's Acts two or Acts one, or maybe not be either one of those. But when it's uh, Peter and John, and they're in the temple, and the guy's asking for money, and he says that we don't have any gold or stuff, but we do have in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Mm-hmm. So like, there are obviously I think Peter and John are to some extent different than us, uh, just because they were disciples, and never mind that people might disagree with that. But what I'm saying is like. Sometimes, you know, like sometimes prayer is the best option, mm-hmm. you know, like they prayed for him and they actually met his physical need and like what he needed more than gold and silver was to actually walk because he yeah. couldn't walk. So like, yeah, sometimes prayer is the best case scenario, but I th- what I'm, the point I'm making is sometimes it can just be the comfortable thing to say mm-hmm. or just the, the easy thing to say. It's like, instead of, like you said, going another mile with somebody or set of you know, providing what they truly need, it can just be easy to say, I'll pray for you. Because one, they can't dis- they can't argue that. You know, they can't say, no, you're not. Because like they, they can't say that because you actually could go pray for them. Mm-hmm. But it's just become such a, you know, like you said last week, Luke, of like we become so comfortable in the church. Like, oh, everything's great. I think it's the same kind of mindset. It's like the same person that says that they're always good is the same kind of person who's just going to say like, I'll pray for you and not ever follow up with saying that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point on what they said in that moment of like that guy thought that money was going to heal him, right? If he went to mm-hmm. see a physician, right? Mm-hmm. Or he was actually going to go to the doctor and man, that powerful statement is like, Hey, we, we can't, but they, they knew what he needed and they knew that the word of God in the same way <clears throat> been, I've been studying Jonah. And so it's the same, uh, concept here is like, uh, when Jonah, you know, obviously runs from Nineveh and, you know, God asked him to, to go to Nineveh. And, um, but obviously we know the story. He gets swallowed by the fish and fish spits him out. But, like, when he shows up to Nineveh, to the king, it says, and the word of the Lord came to him. And it says in that moment that king set out a decree to his whole community. So that in that moment the king believed because of the word of God, right? And so... Like Romans 12 talks about how the Word of God is alive and active, sharpening any two-edged sword. And so sometimes, like Christian was saying, sometimes it is just the Word of God that needs to be spoke mm-hmm. onto somebody, right? Because it tells, like Scripture tells us, what it can do in that moment. And so, um, so yeah, I think that's a good point of, uh, like you were saying too, Parker, seeing the needs, having the eyes to see, actually, do they physically need something or do we believe spiritually meeting maybe physically giving them something and then laying hands on them and praying over yeah. them, you know, because then, okay, you've, you've met a physical need and also spiritually like laying hands on somebody that, uh, you know, how powerful that is to do that yeah. and is uncomfortable. But as we say, if we're living a comfortable life, there's no growth, right? So I think meeting a physical need oftentimes opens a door to be able to meet a spiritual need. You know, like you would never be able to have that conversation with somebody if you wouldn't have been there to meet an actual practical need. So I think, again, like you're saying, just having the eyes to see. If I stop and I give somebody money that needs it, I can tell them, hey, I can give this to you. It might last a little while, but I can tell you about something that's going to change your life, right? It's just being able to see it that way, I think, is really beneficial. Yeah, I was thinking about 
it God it seems like throughout the Bible, God primarily works through us as people or works through humans to enact things. Mm-hmm. And so that's I think what when it is like faith without deeds is dead, it's because if we're having faith in God, if we pray for something, I think a lot of the time it's going to be he's going to fulfill that prayer or fulfill that faith by doing something physical, like acting through us by doing something physical. So it's like if you say, oh, I have faith. Oh, yeah, you'll get money somehow. Well, maybe that's God saying you're the one who's going to give it to him. Or, oh, they need prayer, accountability, or whatever. The fulfillment of that faith, the fulfillment of that prayer is a actual deed that has to happen right. somewhere down the line that a human is going to do. Yep. You know, and we have to be willing to be that, fulfill that deed. Yep. If you've been a long-time listener to this podcast or you follow me on social media, you've heard me talk about AG1 in the past. And AG1 is something that I love to drink in the mornings. It has become part of my morning routine. I love to drink it before I work out. I love um, just all the benefits it gives me. It helps me feel uh, more energy. I feel like it helps with my digestion system and also just uh, even just clarity and focus for the day. And I love drinking something healthy when I wake up in the mornings. Oftentimes, I don't like having caffeine or coffee. First thing when I wake up and AG1 has been something that has been a great uh, substitute for that, even for my workouts and even on days when I don't work out. It just helps me feel better during the day. And uh, I love bringing it with me on the go. Uh, oftentimes my wife and I travel a lot of different places and there's usually not a lot of healthy options where uh, these places that we go. So I love bringing my travel packs with me because um, it just gives me the health and just the boost that I need. And so that's why for the last three years, I've been drinking AG1. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And by doing that, I feel more energized. I feel uh, nourished. I feel stronger and I feel like I'm ready to take on the day and whatever challenges that it is going to present to me. And with AG1, I know that I'm getting a quality product. It's AG1's ingredients are sourced for nutrient density, absorption, and potency, and every batch goes through rigorous testing. So if there's one product that I'm going to recommend to elevate your health, it's going to be AG1. And that's why I've been partnered with them for so long. So if you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash huff. That's drinkag1.com slash huff. Go check it out. Well, it's been cool because I feel like the theme through like the first two chapters has been like, you know, it all ties into, it all ties into, it all ties into, into each other. Um, you know, even like what we talked about the first week of, um, oh Lord, I just literally am drawing a blank on it, but, uh, or maybe, maybe that's the second week, but be doers of the word, not just here. It's like, that's faith that that works. It's like, if you say you have faith, but then you don't, you know, like there's no, like, cause when I think of works, I think of just fruit, right? Like you look at your life and there's things that happen that it, it's a result of, it's a result of the tree and it's a result of you. Like if there's an apple tree, like, which is the faith, like the root system, like the tree and then the fruit or the works are what it produces. Like it produces apples. Like, so as believers, like, yes, you have faith, but it's, that's supposed to produce something. And it's not the other way around. You know, it's not, we do these works and that, you know, that, that guarantees us faith or that gives us faith, but it's, you know, it's like a prerequisite of like saying you have faith. It's like, no, these things follow. Like, because you look like, like we talked about last week, so you look just like the rest of the world. It's like, 
if you say you have faith, but then you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't show it, then you you look the same as the person who has no faith. Like, yeah. if there's no good deeds or there's no works or there's no fruit, like then you look just like the person who has no faith. So there has to be a distinction, like following, you know, what you say you believe, and then we'll get into it later. But like James even is like the demons believe and they shudder. Like, so what good is that for you? Like, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, I love this faith that works is dead. And I think it's cool how he ties that into actually meeting like a physical need, like for a brother or for a sister. It's like, if you see them, like you're going to help their need. You're not just going to say, you know, stay well and, or, or stay warm and eat well. Like you're going to actually give them what they need. And it's the same with, you know, life. It's like, if you say you have faith, then that's going to produce these good works. So whether it is, you know, helping a brother, sister out of need or whatever those works could be. Like it's a supplement of the faith that you say that you have. Yeah. I was just thinking about just the bearing fruit aspect of it. So I'm glad you said it. Like mm-hmm. I was thinking about John 15, like where he says, abide in me and I in you. I'm like, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so like, it's almost like, it feels like I want to say it's, it's subconscious. Like when you are spending time with the Lord and like, you become like tuned to listening to the Holy Spirit. Like I've just seen in my own life, like I'll be in a season where I'm not doing what I need to be doing on my own time, like spending time with the Lord. And um, like coming out of that, like when I am, I am, I'm able to see the people like, because with your, when you're not planted in the word and spending Mm -hmm. time with the Lord, like you aren't going to see them. Like, Mm -hmm. and so when you do, you're like, wow, you can really, if you think about it, you can see, man, I just, if I wasn't, if I haven't been in the word, I'm not going to, I'm not going to think to even notice like, cause there's context clues you have to pick up on just by the way someone's behaving. Like this person, like, and you're going to hear the voice, like that voice in your heart, like telling you, like convicting you, like you need to go pray over this person. You need to give this person something. So it's mm-hmm. really good. Man, that made me think of this and, Paul is talking to the church of Ephesus, but this is, man, what you are talking about, this is so good. It says, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. That's big there, so that no one may boast. It says, for you're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, right? And so he says, which God prepared beforehand that we shall walk in him. And so it's this concept of, like, our works is the evidence of God's faithfulness in our life, right? And so, like, that apple tree that's planted is evidence of good soul, good ca- like care given of that fruit that's being produced, right? And so, um, as we talk about like faith that works is dead, that's why if there's no fruit there, then there's no faithfulness. But if there's faithfulness, there's evidence that God is faithful in our life, right? Because there is this fruit that's being produced, right? And then somebody's going to eat that fruit, right? That whatever it may be, whatever I'm doing in my life that may affect Reeve's life, well, it may affect somebody else in his life positively. And so it's like this, we talked about the cup overflows type deal. Well, I want to eat off somebody's fruit that's producing righteous fruit, right? And so, um, I don't know, that was a, I thought that was good for me mm-hmm. to read that about Paul saying that there because it's, you know, we can read this in scriptures. It's, it talks about how like works is not what it's all about, right? But like, it's all about context here. And so what we're reading here in James is, man, like I need, I tend, like a lot of times I need evidence, right? God, show me that you are who you say you are, right? Like give me, like John Luke was saying, like give me something tangible, 
right? And so it may be through, like John, it may be through somebody else. It may be like, God, I need money. Well, God's not just going to hand me money. He expects me to work for it, right? He may provide a job. He may provide an opportunity to meet somebody that provides that, that you know, or yeah. you know, we may need healing. Well, man, he may tie us into somebody that, you know, getting in the doors where we shouldn't have gotten the doors at a hospital, whatever it may be. But um, I don't know, that that scripture really spoke to me here on this, kind of what we're talking about uh, with faith and works for me in my life. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That's, I was just thinking of the same scripture as well, and because I think it just, it obviously affirms that what you believe about God will be shown through your actions, right? Like that's just a good litmus test of like, do we truly believe that God is who he says he is, right? That we are who mm-hmm. he says he is, that other people, like we've even talked about last week, are made in God's image. What we believe about God is, is as A.W. Tozer says, the most important thing about our life is what we believe. So because it directly impacts the way that you live. And so I think it's a good test for all of us. If we really want to see what we believe, then look at your life. How do you act? How do you spend your money? How do you spend your time? How do you treat others? And things like that. Um, and just on this point, I feel like it's a good time to say, for those of you that are, are doing a Bible study out there, we kind of all have been doing it a lot without even talking about it, but letting Scripture interpret Scripture is such an important part of studying the Bible, right? Like, you, it's, not, it's good to not just look at one passage on its own, but look at it through the whole scope of the Bible. It gives you a much greater understanding of mm-hmm. what these truths are about and make sure that you're actually believing what the Bible is, is really saying. So I know that's really important. So it's a good good thing to make sure you do, and don't just read one pa- passage isolated. Yeah, it needs to be in context of the entire yeah story, good. the whole entire book. That that's really good. I was just thinking that same thing in in this specific context. Like if you listen last week, the whole passage we read, the first half of the chapter was about having a, a heart for those in need, not showing favoritism. And now one section later, like in the same chapter it's easy to like segregate these two sections Mm -hmm. of like okay now faith without deeds is dead and thinking about in a different context than the first uh the first section which talks about if a man if a rich man comes in and a poor man comes in don't show favoritism to the poor to the rich man then it talks about having this heart for the poor then it follows up with now take it a step further that same man who came in who you didn't show any kind of speciality to, you have the rich man, you have the poor man come in, you show them equal, you treat them as equals, you each show them, like, you know, bring them in in a special way, then you take it a step further and say, okay, now, brother, what is your actual need? And then fulfill that. So it's Mm -hmm. not just that one time seeing them come in the door, you know, finding them a place, but then it's taking a step further. Okay, now how can we help you in what you need from going mm-hmm. from here? Yeah, that's good. Do you think 2,000 years ago when James wrote, faith without works is dead, that was it was going to cause such a... Because I know it was such a big deal. I mean, it was like, <clears throat> you know, that was why Jesus came was just to... Well, obviously, for so many reasons, but like that was why he had such big problems with the Pharisees was because they thought, you know, it was all about works. Like, you know, if I can do this, then I'm going to get to God. I feel like this is one of the, I don't know, let's just, this is one of the most, would you say this is one of the most controversial 
scriptures. Certainly one of the most talked about. Yeah. I mean. mm-hmm. yeah. I'm just thinking like if if you knew like just imagine him like writing it out. If he when he says like faith without works or you know faith without good deeds is dead. Like, do you think he had an idea that I was going to cause such a mm. polarizing? Because last week we talked about prejudices, and like this is one of the biggest prejudices in church. It's like, you know, when you're talking about salvation, you know, yeah. it's like you say you have faith, but there's no works that back it up. It's like, like he says, like, can that faith save anyone? Yeah. He's saying no. Like, and then he takes it a step further. He says, you believe there's one God good. Even the demons believe in shudder, yeah. you know? And I think even today in church, we've built, we've built such a, you know, cause you have Romans 10, nine, if you believe and confess, like we have, there's so many things that we can kind of just take and run with. And it's like, there, there has to be a belief system or a belief that actually follows through with like, with works, like with mm-hmm. something that backs it up. It's like, um, you know, like now, it's different than maybe 2000 years ago. Like now it's, you know, raise your hand and pray a prayer and then you're saved. But it's like, but there, there's some scripture that counteracts that. Cause it's like, no, you say you believe that's good. Even the demon believe in shudder. And it's like faith that that works is dead. Like not that your works save you, but it is a byproduct, you know, of the faith that you have. Yeah. I, 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 I just think it's so interesting to imagine James writing this out 2000 years ago. And thinking like if he knew that this was going to potentially cause such a, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to say division, but just such a polarizing topic that people were going to talk about. Yeah, I think thinking back again to who the book's written to is the Jewish Christians at the time. Like it says in verse 1, chapter 1, to the 12 tribes scattered across the nations. As you probably know about Judaism, it's, again, about works. Yeah. And so I'm sure it would certainly cause some... Yeah. Division, some controversy, because he's saying, hey, it's obviously, again, we know that it's by grace through faith alone that we're saved, but also it's impossible to separate that from the work. So I can see, at least this thing is kind of similar to, I know at least a few of us who really grew up in a church, probably more legalistic environment, we're going to have the same bend that the Jews did at the time, and that is to make it about works, to feel like you have a better standing, a better relationship with God if you just obey, obey, obey. So I don't know. I feel like it's the same. Yeah. People today can still be in the same exact yeah. position as they were. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know for me, I really, that was a big part of my life is like morally living right. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, man, I'm doing all these things right. The things that I know that I've been taught, raised, even things in scripture, like holding on, like, man, I'm a good person. I'm doing these things right. But I'm yeah. like, man, I've missed the picture bad. Yeah. Right? Like, and I think Satan uses that deception and then just takes that and you believe that to the point of like, man, like I am doing all these things, right? Like morally, I'm a good person. Like I'm doing this. I'm not cheating on my girlfriend, whatever it may be. And it's like, man, like if you look at Jesus's life and the life, he like he had to have faith in his father to come to this, or to leave his mm-hmm. right hand and say, all right, I'm trusting you, God, that what you say you're going to do is going to change the world. And so yeah. like when he leaves the right hand of Jesus, and then also he has to have the faith enough to like live this perfect life to become man and live out this men- this life that he lived. Well, we talk about faith without works. Is dead. So if Jesus didn't have that type of faith, there's no evidence to what he did on this earth to be true, right? Like yeah. what he did changed our life and lives to come and lives in the past, right? And so like his faithfulness brings evidence 
to what he was faithful to his father. And so like that's our like there's part of the gospel in this what James is saying mm-hmm. here is like it started with our father being faithful, right, to his father. And so it like it's a building block for us as Christians of like, man, Jesus' works was through his faith and the ultimate work that he paid on the cross. Like he climbed up there for us because he knew because when he was in the garden, he even asked the Father, like, God, if there's any other way, mm. let this cup pass. And being a good father, as you think about, like, what he's about to endure, not physically, but, like, spiritually, he's about to take on mm-hmm. all sins of the world mm-hmm. to come that's had come and before sins. And, like, yeah. and he said, not my will, Father, but your will. And so I think that's when we get to that point in our life, like, God, it's not my will, but your will. Mm-hmm. Like, <clears throat> That's where people see the evidence in our life, right? The works, quote, and I'm saying evidence, but see the works because it's through our faith. And so, right. um, I don't know, man, what a perfect example, like to have our own father was faithful to his father to give us those works and evidence of his life so that we can build upon that, you know? So, yeah. yeah. I think it's interesting too. John Luke's got to run. Yeah, I got to run. Thanks for joining us. Thank you all. Good to see you. John Luke has a call here very soon. I got a call. I got to run. It's been awesome. We appreciate you joining. Yeah, I think it's really interesting too, like just like you were saying, like, um, you know, it's written so long ago and how it might apply today. Like I read somewhere or heard somewhere that the whole part where he's saying like, you say that God is one, like that's, he's speaking to a specific thing in in yeah. Jewish culture that like, that's a way that they started and ended each day. It's like um, some kind of statement like that. I don't know the exact context, mm-hmm. of it, but it just makes me think today, like, how many things like that, like, I lift my hands during worship, like, all these things that are ne- might necessarily, someone might think of as works. Mm-hmm. But then it just brings me to think, like, this whole passage is like, faith without works is dead. But, like, the contrary is also true, which it hits on that. But, like, if you just have works and you don't have the relationship, like, yeah. that's a very, because I just think about the scripture in Matthew 7 that, Many of you will come to me and say, like, look at all these things I've done. Mm. But if depart from me, I never knew you. Like, if you don't have that relationship, yeah, like, you can lift your hands. You can, you know, the whole thing with a lot of people think, you know, I speak in tongues. I do all these gifts. Like, I have all these things. And, you know, it's there's more to it. Yeah. Well, it's even too, because I feel like he even doubles down, right? Because he talks about faith without works is dead. And then he's almost like, if you don't understand me the first time, you say you have faith. For you believe that there's one God. It's almost like when he says, I, my translation says good for you. I don't know what y'all says. Yeah. But it's almost like, it's like a little sly, like, oh, good for you. Like, you do right. Yeah, you, say, you, man. you say you, you believe well. it. And then he's like, gut punch. Even the demons believe this and they tremble yeah. in terror. How foolish. Yeah. Can't you mm-hmm. see that faith without good deeds is useless? Like, it's almost like he's doubling down on it. It's like, okay, if you didn't understand me the first time, what I'm yeah. saying is like, you believe this, okay, good. Even... Satan himself believes that that there is a God and that yeah. Jesus, you know. Then he says, like, can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Some, sometimes I get confused on why I feel like it does cause so much division and mm-hmm. so much confusion. Because I'm like, it, it seems pretty obvious, right? It's like, if I say I love my wife, but, like, we never spend any time together, I never mm-hmm. take on a date, I never compliment her, then it's like, you don't really, you know, yeah. right? Like, exactly. there's, I feel like there's some things that are like so yeah. obvious, right? It's like if you, for instance, like even if you look at it physically, it's like 
if you believe that you can follow this workout plan that's going to get you in good shape or, or get you strong or whatever, but you don't, you, you don't, don't do you it. don't actually do it, then <laughs> yeah. it's like then you just believed it. Yeah. Like, so if, uh, yeah. there's so many things that's like practicality that makes sense, but then when we, but then when it, we talk about it from a faith standpoint, it like wigs us out. It's like mm-hmm. I don't see what's confusing about that, right? It's like yeah, if you say you believe in God, then and you follow Jesus, then these things should follow. Like there mm-hmm. should be conviction. There should be, you know, self-control. There should be a joy. There should be a peace. Like, you know, and we all stumble, we all sin, we all, we all still mess up, but like there's a difference in the mess up yep. when you follow Jesus versus when you didn't, right? Mm-hmm. And I just, I, when I, I just like viewing it just from a, I don't even say worldly standpoint, but like I said, with like a workout plan or with, with my marriage or with a job or like, with a friendship, like, you know, you're going to, there's going to be things that are produced because of what you say that you mm-hmm. believe. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, Absolutely. I, sometimes I just get confused when it's like, when we talk about with faith, it's like, it gets confusing or people like overthink it, but it's like, no, like the works, the good deeds, like the things that you do, like it should be a byproduct of mm-hmm. what you say you believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You know, so sometimes, I don't know. Sometimes I just, I'm like, I don't see why it, yeah. causes so much division or confusion. Yeah. Like it, it, yeah. Man, I agree so much with that. And I think it really just hits on the whole cultural Christianity thing, which is something I was in for so long is that like a lot of people, be, like like you said, a lot of people can say, oh yeah, I believe there's a God. Like, yeah. And that's it. No, like if we read this book from cover to cover, like true faith in God absolutely requires a true response, mm-hmm. right? Like you can't just believe in it and go about living the same way, doing the same things. Like, you truly believe in God. It is a complete surrender of your whole life. Mm-hmm. Everything that you do, everything that you are, like, it yeah. truly, like you're saying, yeah, from your point, it is truly impossible to separate the two. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. if you truly believe that Jesus has done for you what he has done, it will re- it will lead to a response. Yeah. completely and so i think it is a great test to, to know where you're at mm-hmm. is if you say you believe in god like yeah. your life will be different it's not enough just to have grown up in church to be able to say a few scriptures mm-hmm. to even have a head knowledge of what who god is it truly true faith in him is is deeper than that so i agree once once you're on this side of things once you're a follower of christ it is so clear but i think that is why it is so hard for other people to stand in understand the other side of the fence. Yeah. yeah. And if you're listening to this, like something that I also think too, not only do you have to think about the context of what James is writing in or who he's writing to, but for, if you don't know, like James is also the half brother of Jesus who did not believe in Jesus until the resurrection, you know? So I think a lot of it, like there's so much validity to what he is saying because of his own experience. Like, you imagine like being raised with Jesus and not believing that he was the son of God, like throughout his whole ministry, you know, in the gospels, you know, it's him and his family. They're making fun of him for saying he's going to go to Jerusalem. Like, Oh, go to Jerusalem and go show off, like almost like show off your powers or whatever. Like he didn't believe in him until Jesus was crucified and then Jesus resurrected and he appeared to him. Like, Mm -hmm. so after Jesus was, Jesus was crucified, he was buried he was raised. He appeared to James and then James believed and then started one of the first early churches. Right. So it's like James is not only writing it to, yes, to, to, to the Jews, 
to the to 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 the dispersion. But he's also writing it with the context and with the the knowledge and with the past of like I for my whole life I didn't believe this, mm. right? But I saw Jesus resurrected and now I believe it. And I think that's why it's like he he is so stern with some of the things he's saying. And it's even like Paul, like you know, I think you can look at people in their writings and it, the writings just kind of feel different. And I feel like that's why James could be like, look, faith of that works is dead. You say you believe, even the demons believe in shudder. And it's like, because he can be like 10 years ago, I thought my brother was, you know, crazy. He was crazy. Yeah. Like, so it's like, that's why he can write with so much fervor and passion. And like, that's why I can be like, that seems a little harsh, but it's also because he's Jesus's brother and he didn't believe that he was who he was, who, who he said he was like, mm-hmm. and I think that's just kind of how I can look at it too. It's like, the person that's writing this literally thought Jesus was like crazy. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's super interesting. Hmm. I like the point he talks about with Abraham here and his son, Isaac, because I think mm. <clears throat> we're, we're talking a lot about believing and how the demons believed. And, and like Parker was saying with like, when there's conviction, like there's gotta be some type of response to something different, you know? And so, like this question that um, Isaac asked his father, he says, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood. But he asked his father, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And so it's like <clears throat> Abraham believed, but also he had faith that his father was going to provide for him. And mm-hmm. so like with that faith becomes a following that because like he could believe, but also we know that Abraham acted upon like to the point he drew the knife to kill his son. Mm-hmm. And so with that brought the fruits or works or of God's like saving his son, right? Which foreshadows to what God did, obviously send his son for us, right? To, to yeah. save us. And so there's yeah. this beautiful picture is like, I think that's why people struggle with even going to church because they see people like, hey, they have faith. But then when they get outside of church, they just believe to them, right? Because their actions, their works are not fruitful for what they right. claim or profess that they love Jesus and they go to church. Because I've talked to guys of why they don't go to church. And a lot of times it's because of, I was like, hey, I see people that say they're one thing and then they get outside the church and they're the other. And so yeah. I think that's where there's faith, there's following. And where there's following, there's fruit, yeah. right? Because good. I think that's, we can get, like, it's it's easy to believe, right? But mm-hmm. It's a lot harder to to believe and then follow, and then with following, I think that's where we see the fruits of our our labor, and mm-hmm. I think that's where the disciples seen their fruits of their labor, right? Because it's like when Jesus asked them to come, like there wasn't no guarantee, like they lost everything, right? They lost their family, but at the end, they seen the fruits of their labor, right? Uh, so, and something too, part I love how you kind of hit on hit on it earlier. So, if you, I mean, if you're listening to this and you've ever had the thought of how to start a Bible study, where do I start? You know, one, you just start reading the Bible. I think you get people together, you read the Bible, you let scripture interpret scripture, like what you talked about, and you see it, how it applies to your life. And even more than that, you know, you do research on it. You look at commentary, you you, you study on it. Because I think there's even things like, you know, something that I would have overlooked if I didn't actually look more in depth at, at certain things. But if you, you know, Luke, you just mentioned Abraham, like it's super interesting that, like you said, he's writing this to, um, he's writing this to the 12 tribes that were scattered. So he's writing this to Jews. And in the first part of James two, 
you covered this last week, he's speaking to prejudices and the two examples he gives for faith is Abraham and Rahab. So Rahab was a Gentile. Abraham was a Jew. Mm-hmm. So he's writing, so he's providing these two examples for people of two different ethnicities. Right. And he's showing the faith that they had. So it's on like, opposite ends. On like opposite ends. Yeah. So it's like, it's so cool. Like even seeing how that ties back into what he talked about earlier about not showing favoritism and not showing prejudice and not, sh- and not showing partiality to others. But it's like, it'd be easy to overread, to, to overlook that if, mm-hmm. if I didn't simply just look at a commentary on online, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, but once you know that it's like, oh, that's, that's really like the amount of examples that James could use for faith. And he chose Rahab and which right. Abraham obviously is the father of our faith. So that one's a little more justified, but Rahab, Rahab it's like, she's like a little tiny example, or she's a, you know, not significant part of the scripture. It's like a little part of scripture, but it, she had immense faith and she's a, she was a Gentile. So it's even just cool to see James, like, you know, specifically show these different examples of ways where God does not show partiality. Mm-hmm. You know, even though you might see these two situations differently, God doesn't. And yeah. a Jew versus a Gentile, it's the same for any, you know, ethnicity or any cultural um, thing that we deal with today. It's like God sees the faith that we have. So I just love how he, those were his two examples that he used pointing to yeah. the differences of um, their background. It's good. And as if you were still confused, he ends it with just as the body is dead without breath. So also faith without good works is. That's one way to end that chapter. Mm-hmm. I think too you could put as as us before Jesus were dead, right? So and like you could take out spirit from the from the body apart from um, from Luke, right? Is dead, right? Because obviously mm-hmm. uh, until we have the Holy Spirit living within us, then we begin this new life. And so I think that's I think we talked about this, but James is so black and white mm-hmm. in his context and. Uh, which I think that's why it's a great place to, like we were saying, if you want to start a Bible study, James is a good place to start because it's pretty cut, dry, and black, white type content. So yeah. I, I don't know, that's that's a good. I like it. That was good. That was good. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. I hope that um, you know, this week just like last week, that you can see that you know we all have different convictions. We all have different things that we land on. Um, and I just hope that you would look at your life and, you know, see that if you do have faith, then it should produce, um, you know, works. It should produce a conviction. It, it, it should produce something different than maybe what your life looked like before you started following Jesus or before you knew Jesus. And, you know, that's one way to go about it. But then there's also the other way of, of, you know, the more legalistic of the way that the Pharisees were of, I can do all these things and work my way up to God. And that's not true either. You know, you do have to have faith and you do have, you have to, you do have to believe, you know, what Jesus did on the cross was enough for you. Um, so there's two different ways to go about it. So I just ask that you would, you know, look at your life and ask God that God would expose your heart of, you know, do you live faith without works or do you, you know, solely believe in your works then that, that, that justifies you? Cause if you do, it doesn't. Um, so I just pray that you would look at your life and see, you know, if you do have faith and if you do have faith, how does that play out in your life? Are you bearing fruit? Are there works that are, um, 
you know, a supplement of um, the faith that you say that you have and what you say that you believe in. So thank you so much for joining. Uh, next week, we'll dive into uh, James 3, where we talk about, my voice just cracked, where we dive into James 3, where we talk about controlling the tongue, uh, which especially as men is a, um, it's a heavy one to talk about. So tune in next week. And we are thrilled that you are along with us on the ride and just seeing how we simply do a Bible study. We've led a lot of Bible studies and it's always just, pretty much the same way. Open up scripture, talk about it, let it interpret itself and see how it applies to us and and seeing how it applies to us. That's when we have our own convictions, our own confessions, and that's where we uh, repent of things that we've got wrong. So thanks for joining in and we hope to see you next week.